Blog Talk Radio. afternoon, everyone. I am Rodney Smith, bringing you an episode of Our Own Voices Live. The voice that you just heard was the late, great Mahaya Jackson, and I thought that was an appropriate song for today's title of the show, which is The Power of Life and Death. The Power of Life and Death. Uh, Before we go any further, let me tell you a little bit about Our Own Voices uh, Live. Our Own Voices Live is a radio show featuring people and stories from our community in Las Vegas, the surrounding area, and someplace near you. 
America is the greatest country on earth due to its cultural diversity and not in spite of it. Our mission here at Our Own Voices Live is to help bridge the culture and ethnic divide in America by working together to build the greatest bridge in history to unite us. And some of the ways that we do it is with shows like Our Own Voices Live. Our Own Voices Live is a spinoff from Our Own Voices, the print and digital magazine. We also have the weekly gathering started by the late, great Sam Smith at the Westside Bistro, except on months that have Fifth Fridays like this month, yesterday, and it's at TC's Rib Crib, and I'm still full. So thank you and big shout out to Sharon for helping me celebrate uh, my birthday weekend. Usually always falls on Labor Day. And it's because of my birthday and the birthday shout out that I got. And big shout outs to all of you who wished me a happy birthday. But in doing so, it made me think about life and death, my birth being life. And each year we celebrate our birthday, we're celebrating life. And then this, this week, we had an opportunity to also celebrate life in death. And that was through the transitioning, the passing of the Queen of Soul, the now late, great Aretha Franklin, who was an elder who has gone on to be with the ancestors. And we also recognized and celebrated the lives of the late Senator John McCain. And some people may not have liked his politics, and they didn't always like the things that he had to say. But then sometimes the things that he had to say was what we wished other politicians would say. And he, they were both funeralized and memorialized uh, just this week. So in thinking of my birthday and thinking of their death, it just had me wondering about the power of life and death because there is power in each one of those. There is power in life and there is power in death. Oftentimes it's what we decide to make of it. What will we make when someone dies of our own lives? And then what lives will be made for us by our parents and will we make for ourselves? And in each one of those, we have a decision to make on how that life can be. It can be a life full of challenges and obstacles but also of overcoming and advancing forward. It could be a life of drudgery, one where we wonder why are we even alive and maybe even question the fact that we have life. And, of course, when we come near to the end, if we know that we are going to make it to that end, we reflect back on the life that we lived. And, and I guess I would ask you all that if you were reflecting back on your life and you knew that 
your life was coming to that end, what would you think about the life that you lived? What mark did you leave on society? What difference was your life? In other words, was your life one that maybe meant nothing to no one? Or was that life one that made a difference not only in your life, but maybe in other people's lives? I would submit to you that if you've lived a life where when you think of that life, in it, you don't see the accomplishment. In that life, you wonder, was it worth living? Well, this week, this week, over the week, we have celebrated the life and death of the late John McCain and the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. And so what I wrote down to talk about the show today is I said, the power of life and death. This week we experienced the death of a political icon in the late Senator John McCain and the great Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. Both lived more years than promised since none are both from very different backgrounds, with both leaving a large legacy and body of work. As I was speaking and reflecting on their lives and funerals with my friend Angela, we both thought that these two giants left unfilled shoes, and we asked each other who would fill them. And in, after Andrew and I hung up, I started thinking, and I even shared with my team, suppose they took their shoes with them, only left us with the cobbler's tools and materials to build our shoes for our experiences based on the foundation of our collective ancestors. What shoes will we build? Why and where will we go? In other words, what will we do with our lives? Will our shoes be the shoes that will be seen as shoes big to feel when we're not here, as in the passing and transition of John, Senator John McCain and the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin? Well, if you all would like to comment on this, please give us a call at Area code 347-826-9600, 347-826-9600, and you can press option one, uh, and that will let me know that you want to talk. Because I think that in times of death, it is a time of reflection. It is a time for us to, to think about the life of the one who's no longer with us, but also the life of 
ourselves. What are we doing with this gift of life? Uh, are we making those shoes that one day when we're not here, that someone will say those shoes are some big shoes to fill? Three four seven eight two six nine six zero zero. Are you building shoes that someone will say one day are too hard to fill? And what do you think about the legacy of John McCain, the legacy of the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin? Like most people, when I think of Aretha Franklin, I think of the song Respect. And the reason why I think of that song Respect is because it, was, it came out in a time where for sure African-Americans, Negroes, to be quite frank, that's what we were called back then, didn't feel like they were being respected. and They didn't get respect. And she came out with that song and she spelled it. And to this day, even though she had a lot of great songs, it was that song that stands out. Hey, we got a, we got a caller. Let me, see if, uh, let me see if I can bring them in and maybe they can share with us what they think about the passing hey, of Aretha Franklin if, uh, as well as John McCain. Maybe they can share with us what they think about the passing Good afternoon. You listen to Our One Voices Live. Did you have a question or comment? I did. Hey, Rodney, this is Tiara. Hey, Sister Tiara, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Uh, you know, sister, I'm enjoying the thought of continued life for myself. But as I reflect back on the life of Senator John McCain and on uh, the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, and I think about the legacy that, that they left and the shoes that they filled, it made me wonder, what legacy am I leaving myself to my children and to other people's children? And if... I met my time, well, untimely demise. Would people say Rodney left some big shoes to fill? And I was just reflecting on that. And, you know, feel free, sister, to jump in and share your thoughts. Okay. I would say um, John McCain, he did. He he filled some pretty big shoes because he – um, he was there with Obama doing all this, and he was um, – he brought peace and unity between a white man and a black man that they can work together, that they can achieve and accomplish many goals. So, yes, he did fill some pretty big shoes, and hopefully everybody get on board with how John McCain ran with Obama and how they stood together, you know, even – with their differences, like he said, they had differences, they had arguments, but they did not take away from the purpose and their goal and the need for our country. So, again, McCain, he did, he, he filled some pretty big shoes, and those were his shoes to fill. We, as people, we have our own shoes to fill and our own legacy to leave to our children and the children of our children. So, um, and with regards to Aretha Franklin, she left some pretty big shoes. Um, She did, and those were her shoes. And we have to take our rightful place as community leaders, as community activists, 
um, as community members and mothers and fathers to take and put on our shoes and do the same thing, walk in the same footsteps that she walked in to be able to leave big shoes when we leave up out of here as well. So my sister, my beautiful sister, mm-hmm. when you look around you today, right here in Las Vegas, who's building those shoes that you know when they're no longer here, people will say those are big shoes to fill. In other words, who are those people that uh, motivate and inspire you that you see doing things that's making a difference? I would say you would be one of those people. Um, You, um, Leslie Turner, um, Erica Washington, you have a few um, I can name only a few because I'm not from Las Vegas, so I'm I'm still networking and meeting people. But again, you have Michelle, um, you have Miss Betty, you have a lot of people that are walking in shoes of their purpose and doing big things and trying to make a change in our community for you know all people, our children, their neighbors, their friends. Um, you have mothers that are, <clears throat> you know, going to work, staying late so their kids can have um, better practice uniforms so they can get to football practice. So, you know, we have few. We have um, a few, but we have some here in Las Vegas that I have met. So let's talk about you because many folks may not realize that you are working on a uh, a campaign. And that campaign is something quite unique. As a matter of fact, it's been well over 100 years, or excuse me, over 83 years uh, since we have had something like this, if I have my information right. And I'm sure if I don't, you'll straighten me out. Uh, so it's, tell um... us a little bit about what you're doing, and and why you're doing it. Why is it important? Black Census um, is the project that we're working on, and it it is a historical survey. The last Black Census that we had, it was actually taken away in, it was 1863. So it's been 153 years since a Black Census was taken. And the Black Census used to be part of our history because we, People would come in and want to ask the interest needs and the concerns of African-American and, you know, people of African descent. What are the needs? What do you see that needs to change? You know, gather your opinions. Are you registered to vote? Who are you, you know, who did you vote for? So they wanted to know how we felt about things. They wanted to know um, the interest, the needs, and the concerns of black people. And, you know, it's been 153 years, so this is um, a huge, it's a big deal for me. Um, it's historical, and I'm looking forward to it because if it if we're successful with the survey, it will stay around, and we will be able to um, keep it around and still have these conversations, um, the needs, the interests, and the desires of black people. I'm getting this information out to find out, you know, what's important to us and our kids. Um, And the reason I'm doing Black Census, 
because I plan on leaving a great legacy for my children, for them to be a part of a, a historical movement, because that's what it is. It's a movement of people who have got together and brought back something that was stole from us 153 years ago. So it is it's a big historical thing. I'm, you know, excited about it. My kids are excited about it. And they see me daily getting out doing black census work. So, again, um, being able to leave that legacy and have that for your children, and that's why I do it. Well, sister, I want to thank you for your efforts because I know the work must be hard. Someone says when you go into our community to make a difference, sometimes that's the hardest work that you've ever done. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, it can be some of the most rewarding work that you've ever done. It is. It is. So, it's, um, it's hard work. It's dedication. It's um, long nights. It's sleepless nights. Um, it's a lot of not seeing your children, but, again, they knowing and seeing what you're doing. They knowing the purpose and goal behind what it is that I'm doing. And it's not just for my children, because when I think of my children, those are mine, but I think about all the other children that they will come into contact with, and I have to think about them as well, because I want my children to be protected at all times, so I can't just think of my children. I have to think about the children that they were they will interact with as well, because mm, I want this to be a better place. For my children, I, I can't leave here and um, just solely think about my kids because there's a million other people on the planet that have, you know, have to interact with my kids. So if we can make the world a better place for everybody, then my kids are taken, you know, they're taken care of. I'm leaving them in good hands because we have this um, this society where everybody is looking out for each other and wanting a better place, you know, because people do, they think about their kids and just their kids. No, you have to think about our kids interact with the police. The um, They interact with everybody, the neighbors, the community, um, people at work, you know, they interact with everybody. So I do, and, and that's why I do this work. That's the only reason why I do it, so I can make sure my kids will be safe um, out here in these streets. Hmm. You know, I, I like that you said that because I, I sometimes I think people believe that, well, if I just do for mine, then they will be okay, and I'm doing my part. And I do agree that we all need to do for ours. It, it is our responsibility. But also our children, just like you said, come into contact with a bunch of other people's children. And not only do they come in contact with other people's children who will touch them, but other people will make up their minds on how they interact with our children by the experiences that they have with other people's children who look like our children. And if those experiences are negative, then they may make certain assumptions and have biases about our children on site before they even get to know the content of the character. Yep. So 
Well, sister, I know this is, I believe this is the first time you called into our show, Our Own Voices Live. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day uh, to call in. And hopefully those of you out there who may not have heard about the census, the black census, or you've heard about it because it's not the government census, you're not too sure about it. Well, Sister Tara, what would you say to those people? I would say um, you have to think about your children and where we're going in the 21st century. If we keep the black census around in the black community, we're educating our children on their rights, on the interests and concerns and needs of our community, not just um, so it's a historical survey, and I get excited when I talk about it because the meaning behind it is that the data, we have to have a data-driven policy and not a fist-fighting policy. They think that black people only rally when someone is killed and they go protest. Yeah, that's good that we get out, we protest, and we march, but there's no data behind the interests, needs, and concerns of black people other than a march and a rally. We can't keep doing that. We need some data. We need a policy. We need people saying and fighting with our minds and our hands and our, you know, not their physical hands, but our pencils. You know, when we out conducting black census, when we're out going to these meetings, we need to fight and protest that way and not just a rally and a march. We need some data behind and saying what it is that we need, the concerns, not just marching. So for those who are leery of the survey, I would say take the survey and express all your interest in the survey um, and get involved because it is a movement. It's not just a survey. It is a movement, and we're going to continue this movement. It's, it's not going anywhere, hopefully. You know, we're going to be successful in getting people educated on the census, and it's not going nowhere. Um, so, again, it's, it's, it's historical, historical that you joined the movement. And, you know, I'm looking forward to my sisters and brothers coming aboard, coming on board and learning more about the census, how they can do it, how to get involved and volunteering or working or whatever the case may be. Because it's not just a survey. People think it's just a survey. You ask a few questions and it go away. No, it's a movement. And that's what we're starting. The survey is just the beginning. The ending is a movement and change and legacy for our children. Mm, that's powerful. Well, sister, before I, yeah. before you go, um, what is there a song from the late Aretha Franklin that grabbed your attention? I know for me it was the song Respect, and I often think about her singing that song uh, as we're in the age of, of well, the politicians that we had. Uh, what do you have any favorite Aretha songs, and, and really, what did Aretha mean to you? Aretha was respect. I, I watched a video clipping, and she said um, she was she was all about she was always about respect, and that's what I loved. You can you can just say what you wanted to say to Aretha because she would check you. Um, <laughs> she made sure. <laughs> that she didn't wear certain 
clothing and that she didn't reveal anything because she said all the time you have to leave some to the man's imagination. And I took that and was like, okay, I'm not going to wear certain clothing revealing um, because I want to be respected. I don't want you to walk up on me and say anything disrespectful because I am revealing my, my, my body parts. So mm-hmm. she has said in this clip, and she said, um, you see what my uh, dress, you see what my skirt is. Now, if you want to see what's under the skirt, you got to pass the test. And she <laughs> did, she made sure <laughs> she had her skirt all the way down and uh, she was just respect. I mean, I love that she did not. You couldn't say anything to Aretha. Um, I love that she spoke her mind. Uh, so that song, Respect, is, is just what it is. That's what she she carried herself very respectful. She, her, her kids, her family, I've never seen them in the media with any bad tension um, other mm. than, you know, her being Good sick point. and stuff like that. She has never, mm-hmm. she has always kept herself and her family. It's not, you know, you, you normally hear about a brother or a cousin or Aretha's uncle or somebody in trouble or some sort, and Aretha and her family has never been in the media in a negative light, and she did. She carried, they carried themselves with respect for themselves. So um, I love that about her because she said that all the time. You know, you roll up on Aretha, she she would get you together. She'd tell the young girl, pull your pull your skirt down. You know, cover, fix your blouse. <laughs> well, that is, uh, I, I appreciate you sharing uh, your reflections on Aretha and uh, the late Senator John McCain, especially in the interactions of Senator McCain and uh, President Obama, and then reflecting on the Queen of Soul. Uh, Sister Rita Franklin, and thank you for just uh, being out there working on that census and looking beyond just you and making a difference in your own mark and building your own shoes that one day somebody's going to say, those are some hard shoes to fill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we got another caller, so uh, I hope that you will continue to listen to us and that uh, we got about, what, oh, maybe – 20 minutes left into the show before we're out. So let me take on this next caller. And thank you, Sister Tierra, for calling in. All right. You're welcome. Good afternoon. You're on Our Own Voices Live. Thank you so much for calling in. And did you have a question or comment for us? Well, Mr. Smith, um, you know I'm a big fan. This is Adam Whitney. Uh, from NDC coming in to support your show. How are you doing today, sir? Well, you know, I I have some mixed feelings, but overall, I'm sort of on top of the world. As I said in the introduction, I'm not sure if you heard it, you know, celebrating a birthday is like, you know, celebrating life. But then at the same time, this week we lost two giants, one in politics and one in uh, pop culture, media uh, the late great queen of soul, Aretha Franklin. And we also, from the political landscape, I may not have always agreed with his, per, with his points of view. I did not always agree with the votes that he took. But Senator John McCain was an icon 
on the political landscape, and uh, we have uh, lost two greats from two different uh, areas of our society. And the show today was really to reflect on that. And, and what I said in my introduction is people say, wow, they left some big shoes to fill. And my question to those people is, what happens if they took those shoes with them and they just left us the cobbler's tools to build our own shoes from our life's experiences with our ancestors as the foundation? What kind of shoes would we build and where would we go? What would we do? In other words, what difference would we make? And when we transitioned on, would people say that we had some big shoes to fill too? So jump in and share your thoughts on, on any of that. Yeah, um, I did hear your introduction, and, and it's an excellent question, I thought. And I think one of the things that we learned from this week, also most importantly, is how, how the many ways in which both of these figures touched the same lives. And I think that when we look at the fact that, you know, I rarely, if ever, agreed with Senator McCain's politics. But I always respected the man and the way that the man respected his office and respected those on the other side of the aisle and was always working to to see to it that they could find a way to move forward together. One of the things that he, I'd heard him say many times, was that, you know, when you're an elected official, it, once you get elected, it's your job to represent all of your constituents, not just the ones who agree with you. And right. so he was constantly finding a way, whether his personal politics agreed with everyone in Arizona, he was always trying to find a way to make life better in whatever way he saw that would be for all the people of Arizona. And on the same token, we look at, at Ms. Aretha and when you look at the crossover on how these t- the, the people's lives that both of these individuals touched that, that are feeling the loss of both of these individuals from such different sides of that spectrum, mm-hmm. I think that teaches us something about how we have to, if all they left us was the cobbler's tools, as you said, I think it teaches us something on how we have to pick up those tools and make a new set of shoes together. And listening to the, the previous guest that you had with regard to the black census, I mean, one of the things that I've been discussing with a number of people, you know, sort of in the progressive movement of late, is the fact that as we have discussed, you and I, uh, on a number of occasions previously, those who are most impacted and most affected by a particular issue so, you know, the black census being one. Um, we have to learn as people of a different background and a different cultural history, how to say to the, to the people who are facing a struggle of various kinds, how can we support you? Not take over their issue or try to abscond with their issue and say you should support us because because we agree that your issue is a problem, but step back and say, how can we support you? You are driving this particular bus. How can we support you 
and making that bus go where it wants to go and, and let go of that ego and step back and say, we need to be of service to each other so that all of us, if we can step back and on those issues that are unique to a particular demographic, if those not of that demographic can step back and say, hey, this is your bus. How can we, how can we fuel it? How can we help you to fuel that bus and move forward, taking your lead? Um, and if we can do that for each other on those issues that do not necessarily fall directly within our wheelhouses and yet we all feel are important, I think we can move forward. Um, you've spoken very eloquently many times on how, um, for example, the Democratic Party has treated the black community in a sense as a prop and as a tool um, instead of actually getting behind them and saying, what do you need? How can we give you what you need? Knowing that what, what propels your cause forward will ultimately benefit us. And if we can do that for each other, um, I think there's possibilities and progress in this time when it is really kind of so dark and people feel so unempowered, um, particularly people of a more progressive vein. So we need to learn as Senator McCain often did, and as Ms. Aretha did, without all of the acclaim in the press that some people would have looked for to support those things we think are right, even if they more directly affect our brothers and sisters of other cultural backgrounds. I don't know. That's just my you know, Adam, <laughs> uh, And that was, uh, that was more like five cents because that, that was worth a lot. Oh, and sorry. one of the... One of the images that I have of John McCain, of, of his conviction, uh, and regardless of, because I know some people disagreed with him, but then there were another group of people who agreed with him. And I remember when he was, he was battling his, his illness that ultimately led to his transition, he was the deciding vote in the Senate on health care under... Uh, President uh, Trump, Absolutely. and he's a Republican, and President Trump is a Republican. And there was great expectation that John McCain would come in and he would do the traditional thing and vote the party line. Now, John McCain, though he didn't always accept it, had the nickname of Maverick. So, and the Maverick means that that's a person that goes their own way does their own thing, to a certain extent, is a free thinker, and on the other side of the aisle could even be considered a, pro a progressive. A maverick is someone out there who makes it happen as best as they know how to do it. So if you look at some of the votes that John McCain has taken in his career, some of the bills that he's passed, it's almost like he was the quintessential Gemini. There seemed to be two phases to John McCain. And on that particular night, I believe it was late night, it might have even been early in the morning, Senator McCain came in and he had his thumb up and then he turned it down. And the turn down was a no vote, very similar to what happened in the Roman uh, uh, Potter right. Bureau uh, back in the day. And to his peers of the Republican Party, he was almost a villain. To the Democrats and the progressives, he was actually 
a hero. And sure, that tends sure. to be and the way politics go. But he did yeah, and, and when you look at with, that vote through his conviction. Right. And when you look go at ahead. that vote, I mean, you know me. I mean, I'm I'm one of those those odd people who kind of watch the C SPAN the way other people watch UFC. And mm-hmm. watching that vote, um, you know, and, and, and commentary from, from Senator McCain himself subsequent to that vote, and him, him saying, you know, I wasn't a big supporter of Obamacare, but the way that this was done was not okay. And to have the courage of his convictions, even knowing as he did in a later vote that, that passed, you know, a lot of repeal on, on the, on the this health care bill. But he said the way that this was done was shady. The way that this happened was not in the light of day. And that's not how we roll. That's not how we do things. Because, you know, I think, I think much like myself, we live in a democracy. And in democracy, we're supposed to be able to vote. And what the, the majority of the people want um, is, is what in a democracy is, is supposed to happen. And, and you and I both know that, that studies from Princeton and Harvard and Berkeley over the past several years have indicated that what happens in Washington bears very little resemblance to the will of the actual people. Right. But we look at something like what Senator McCain did, and he said, it's not, this isn't even about what you're trying to do. It's about how you did it and how you did it was not democracy and how you did it was not American. And he said, I can't support that as someone who is supposed to represent people who voted for me. And that takes guts and that takes courage and that takes patriotism you know, the, the old Patrick Henry quote, I may not agree with what you say, but I will fight to the death for your right to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it. That's the spirit that we're kind of missing, the spirit of saying, you know what, if, if the dissenting opinion is what is held by the people, then we need to follow the people, but we can't shut them out of the process and, and do and, and operate in the shadows and, and him expressing that that's how he came to the decision on the plane, on the way to Washington to cast that no vote. That, that was, I think, quintessential John McCain. And the way that, you know, and we've seen over and over, coming back to your theme, you know, the Kennedy Center performance from from Miss Aretha um, of natural woman that w- was just so outstanding when she was when uh, at Kennedy Center honors um, and you saw that crowd and you saw that here you had this you know white blonde haired blue eyed and yet Jewish songwriter sitting up there in the balcony, freaking out that Miss Aretha was coming on stage to do this song. And the President of the United States, a proud black man, coming to tears with his relation to that song. And how, how music and her music was a breathing soul of the community. 
and a breathing soul of, of, of a movement that unified and that brought people together. And I think both of these icons, you know, spoke to what is best about our country in different ways. You know, Adam, you definitely put an exclamation mark on that because it is about the goodness of the country. And sometimes it seems that we focus so much on the negative that we forget about the goodness. But in doing so, we still have to recognize that as a country we have a way to go. And some of the songs from Aretha taught us some of those lessons about respect, Uh, the natural woman that you mentioned. And she had so many hits. And I I remember there was, I believe it was the Grammys, but I'm not sure. But it was an awards show. And I believe it was Pablo Parati. Mm-hmm. It was Pavarotti, uh, and he couldn't go on, and Pablo she Rodriguez. sang that to Dorma from Torrance. Yeah. Now, when I think about Aretha, and I go back to the 60s with Aretha, when I think of Aretha, though, besides respect, because that's just an iconic song, but besides that, I think about that moment when she was called in at the last minute. After my understanding is a lot of people turned, turned it down because they didn't have enough time to prepare. And they called her in at the last minute, and maybe the day before, to perform. And she went on and performed that like she was the person who was initially intended to perform that song. Absolutely. And, And it was moving. It was moving in a way that, that, first of all, showed mastery of her craft, true mastery of her craft. And, but in addition to that, a true understanding of her, of her art, of her, as a whole, we, there's a whole other topic for a whole other show about how music can either unite us or divide us. But she, you know, when you look at this icon of soul, and yet she was able to come on and, and, and as a song stylist, take Puccini in less than a day and make it her own and make it as though that was what was meant to be in that moment because of her embracing all music, her embracing all art, all people, is, was such a profound statement about the fact that, that there are things in this world that are universal to all of our souls and the spirit of all of mm-hmm. us if we just open ourselves up to be affected by it. And Adam, you, thank you so much for calling in and sharing wisdom with us, sharing uh, your experiences with us of uh, the life of Senator McCain, the life of uh, Aretha Franklin. And I believe you are a musician yourself. So as I hear you speak about Aretha, it adds more meaning to it for me. Uh, before you go, and, for the, and I, see, I see the folks on the line, and for those who would like to talk, press one because – that gives me a little cue that you're not just listening, you also want to talk. 
For those of you who are listening and want to call in, you can dial 347-826-9600 and press option one. Adam, as you look around today, because the other part of it was suppose they took those big shoes to fill with them. And I asked, if we are left to build our shoes using the cobbler's tools, what shoes are we building and where are we going with those shoes? Well, I think, you know, as I may not have very, very succinctly put earlier, um, I think we need those to build those shoes with support arches. <laughs> you know, we mm. need to we need to build those shoes to be ready to get behind those who lead, whether it be young people and as as, as older folks, whether we get behind and support with our wisdom and our experience, the young people who have taken on this cause to move forward um, and, and march and work in support of them behind their leadership, or whether it be the black census or the black caucuses, the several black caucuses as, as Caucasian Americans or of Americans of different cultural identity, we need to be ready to, to walk behind those people in their efforts, in their causes, um, and let them take the lead on those things that are central to them. Because as long as we're all, as long as we're all apart and, and saying, this is my cause, and you, don't, you are not affected the way we are by our cause, so we don't want your support. No, we need, everybody needs everybody's support if we're going to make change in this country. So I would say we need to build those shoes to be sturdy and to get a lot of mileage, and we need to build them with support arches so that we can get behind each other and, and take each other's lead. And when we support each other, even in those, in those, and we allow others to support us in those, those causes that, that we propel forward, and we, we are the, the rocket fuel to, to help others propel their cause forward, that's when we get change. And we need to be prepared to do that. We need to stop dividing ourselves and let other people get behind us. So support arches. Well, I mean, I think that's it. <laughs> I, I'm all for the support arches in these shoes that we are building, that you are building. Adam, thank you so much for calling into the show. Thank you for listening to the show. Uh, I got another caller. Hopefully you'll still stay. We got, a, we got a few more minutes to the show, then we have to log off. But thank you so much, Adam, for chiming in. Thank you, Ronnie. I always learn from you, man. All right, brother. All right, I uh, got another caller on the line. Welcome to Our Own Voices Live. The topic of the day is the power of life and death. And this is in reference to the transition of the late uh, Senator John McCain and the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. Uh, make sure you turn your radio, your, your speakers down so we don't get the feedback. Uh, but welcome to the show. Do you have a question or comment for us? Well, I have, a, I have both. Um, thank you for allowing me to be able to be on the show today, and thank you for being able to broadcast 
Um, to echo what the gentleman said before I was asked, before I was able to be able to talk, um, I want to start with the Queen of Soul. The Queen of Soul, as, as I was growing up, her songs were not just songs. They were they were templates to living and templates to me as a young black man born and raised in a ghetto area and how to become better, how to make my world better and my situation better. So when I look at, when I think of Mother Franklin, um, I think of all of the iconic and attributes that she allowed me to know in my mind and teach me through her songs that I can do. Um, She was a true matriarch in the black community and giving us an ability to say, we're not just here. What the we are, you know, talking about respect, the natural woman, and so forth. Being raised by a woman, you know, it was something that I learned to respect and honor. Um, moving past and not to say it was not less to talk more about uh, the Queen of Soul, the gentleman before me has spoke so so elegant, so precise on it that to echo it would only say I echo what he says. Um, okay. As a young black man, also. You know, being involved with politics as a young age and being involved where politicians helped me get an education, politicians helped me and pulled me out of a certain area to allow me a affordable chance to become better than what I am now and to become better than what I was able to become. When I met Senator McCain, he was a man that taught and a lot of great things in my understanding of politics. And when People didn't agree. He always said that compromising was something that we must do and may not be right yes. the right at the time, but compromising is something that we must understand that exists because of our republic. Mm-hmm. You know, right. what his daughter said at his, at his funeral was so, is so on point. America has always been great. Senator McCain was part of making that great even better. So when I when the passing of two great icons at one time, it's, it's a devastation to the cause, but it is also a moderating to the evolution of beginning and to continue the evolution of making things better. With new people coming up for offices and running for offices and standing up and saying, we will not take it anymore, Senator McCain and Queen of Soul, Ms. Franklin, made that possible for those people to say, hey, I can run for office because I I have something to say to make it better. So listening to this today and understanding, we may have lost them in in, in body, but their legacy, their trials, their attributes, their commitment, their souls are still with us because we're talking about it today. Now we have a forefront to even push it for the father. Because now we have people that can need to listen because those iconic bodies are no longer here. So I think taking this time now and launching for the campaign to making America not just great, it has always been great, but making America strong in its greatness is what we take from this, and I'm not saying tragedy, but, but this loss of a body. Mm. Well, uh, so for those of you out there listening, the topic of our show today is the power of life and death. And maybe there is power 
in death as there is power in life. Uh, I celebrate uh, 57 years of life this weekend. And thank you to everyone who sent me messages. Thank you to you, Charles, for uh, sending out the, the shout out. And I appreciate all of that. And that's really what sort of spurred me on to do this show today is that as I was celebrating my continued life, I knew that many family members out there were celebrating not just Aretha and, and Senator McCain, but who, who are unnamed to us, who are not in the, the public square and are celebrating a transition or loss. And we have to find strength in everything that we do. And even in loss and transition, we have to find strength. Uh, we're no longer taking calls, so we're, we're a little over. We're gonna, I, I got one more question to ask. Charles, and this is the same thing that I asked to the caller before you, Adam, and to the caller before Adam, Tierra, and big shout out to Tierra being a womb man, being the first caller. But Charles, if we talk about they had big shoes to fill, and that's that's a common phrase. And what I'd ask Tierra and what I'd ask Adam, and part of the the theme of the show today is if all of these, these greats that are transitioning on didn't leave their shoes for us to even attempt to fill, but what was left was the cobbler's tools and materials to make our own shoes from our life's experiences and the collective experiences of our ancestors, what shoes would you make and what shoes do we need to make to move ourselves forward? Wow. That, that, that's a, a big question, even though it seems small. Um, give me a moment. Um, as an advocate, as an advocate, I believe that part of the responsibility that Mother Franklin left us and Senator McCain left us, they left us an ability to design the next level of shoes. I've, it's always been told okay. by our elders, don't, don't create a wheel that's already there if it's working. You know? Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to create a, I don't believe in creating a new wheel. What I do believe is creating a stable foundation for that wheel to be connected to. And that comes from the fortitude and the ability for all walks to work together. We hear everyone say, we need to come together. We hear the rhetoric of politicians in curtain offices now say that we work together. But in the end, the responsibility falls back on the constituents following through and supporting and allowing those members who are supposed to represent the constituents to make sure they're following through and working together. Whether you be a Republican, a Democrat, an independent party, a nonpartisan party, it doesn't matter. The problem that we have today, there's so many parties saying that my party is better than your party. But in the end, mm-hmm. who is doing something for the young woman who's sitting on the side of the street with three kids, no man to help her out, welfare is barely making it because she's working at some place like Walmart where she's barely getting an income to support herself, and since mm-hmm. she makes $2 too much, she can't get the income or the support to help her. Those issues are issues that are real. Those issues exist. We have ex-felons who have been prosecuted, persecuted. They've already been through what they needed to go through. They've been through jail, probation, et cetera. But when they come out, 
we're still doing the same thing, but we're telling them they need to commit and participate in our community. We have an issue with that. We have veterans mm-hmm. who have been persecuted and forgotten what they have done, and when they come home and try to get a job, they're being told that they can't get this job because of this or that, but yet they carry multi-billion dollar weapons and went into countries that most people don't even know existed and fought for their freedom for that person to sit in front of them and say, oh, you can't work for me because of this. So when you ask that question, I look at it on multiple levels, economical, social, veteran, uh, religion, all of that comes in play, and yet we need to sit down and say, hey, we need to work together. People who are coming up in current elections now, there are new, there are new people out there. The Democratic Party makes decisions, and, and, and don't get me wrong when I say this. Democratic Party tells us one thing and comes back the same next time and say something different. I have a problem with that. If you tell me four years ago, don't vote for this person because he is not in representation of what we need to further the community and our society, don't come back to me four years later and say, hey, vote for him now. That doesn't work with me. Mm. I have a problem with that. I have a big problem with that. When I look at gratitude and when I look at fortitude and I look at responsibility, I am holding every elected individual, including myself, accountable for my actions. And I am Mm -hmm. no longer, as Goldie Hawn said, I am no longer standing by my eyes on you. So the what shoes I would repair, I would take the same shoes that are there, but I would make them walk longer. These shoes were made for walking. So now let's walk <laughs> with them and quit trying mm-hmm. to change them. Let's, it, let's fortitude those shoes. Let's make them ability for all to walk in them, black, white, mixed, non-mixed, Hispanic, etc. We need to open that up and make it available for all to do it. That is how I feel. This is not how my agency and my elected position feels. This is how I feel. Well, Charles, I, I want to thank you for being on the show today. I want to thank you for calling thank in. You. I want to thank you for sharing uh, your, your wisdom. The same for Adam, the caller before you, and Tierra, the caller before him. Uh, just thank you for participating. Uh, I believe that we have to talk, and we have to talk to one another that we agree with and sort of in what you were saying, we have to talk to people that we don't agree with because there may be some agreement somewhere, just not today or with this particular thing. And if we just shut down the dialogue, we will never get to that point. And I think you and Adam, it seems like that's almost a universal theme with us people. We need to make sure that the, uh, those elected officials understand that that is something important to us and that they need to listen to us because ultimately this is about us that they are supposed to facilitate for us. And when we do that as a republic, we will be better off out and that is the goal and should be the continual goal. Well, everyone uh, out there, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Our Own Voices Live. Uh, Our Own Voices Live has been on the air coming up on nine years. And thank you for all of you who asked me, where have you been? Why haven't you been broadcasting? 
Well, it's going to require a different show, but I do want to let you all know that I have decided to run for office myself as a person from the community that believes in the process but also believes that sometimes if the people will lead, the leaders will follow. And so as being one of you, one of those people, I felt that maybe it's time for me to lead when I don't see other people doing what is necessary. And we'll talk about that in a later show, but I did want to make sure that I gave full disclosure. Uh, The title of our show today was The Power of Life and Death. And I based it on the fact that I'm celebrating continued life at the same time that we've lost two icons from two totally different genres, perspectives in life, upbringing, but how they both rose to greatness in their own way and left a legacy. And then I ask, really, the the cobbler's question is, what legacy are we building and what legacy are we leaving? And will one day, whether no matter how large or small, will someone say that we left some big shoes to fill? Well, to everybody, thank you so much for listening. At the beginning of the show, we started out with a song from the late, great Mahaya Jackson called Troubles of the World. And it comes from a show called Imitation of Life. And I played the rendition from uh, the Lana Turner uh, version. And so as we end the show, I want to uh, play something in honor of John McCain. As a military man, this is what happens at the end of each day. And it's also what happens as life transitions from one phase to the next. So if you all will just stand by, and it's about 60 seconds long, uh, just take a moment of reflection and, and quietness as you think of the late McCain, John McCain, as well as Aretha Franklin. And thanks again, Charles. <laughs> 